0: You are listening to the Concrete Nevers Podcast. This is episode 48. Welcome to the Conquering Evers Podcast. My name is Brian Talor. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. Now, if you have not already followed this podcast, why not? Why haven't you followed the podcast? Go ahead and hit that follow button. That way you're notified anytime a new episode drops. And I'll tell you what, while you're at it, go ahead and hit that share button too. Let your family and friends on social media know that, you know, we're here. We got real stories from real people and we're providing real hope. Now, today's episode's a good one. I have a conversation with Lisa Santiago McNeil. Lisa had to overcome a childhood full of abuse and molestation. She became a runaway at the age of 13 and dropped out of school at 16. She started using drugs, and she started using her body. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But she went on to have a 20-year career at IBM and then she wrote a book and then another book and another book and now she is a successful six-figure coach and publisher having helped over 90 authors tell their story of overcoming and uh, overcoming their obstacles and uh, standing in the power of their truth so buckle up this is going to be a good one here's my conversation with Lisa Santiago McNeil. Lisa Santiago McNeil. Welcome to the Conquering Nevers Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate you for having me on and for creating this platform for helping uh people to really give the opportunity to share what they've been through to inspire others that they can do the same.
0: Thank you. That means a lot. And 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 I'm glad to have you on the show. I know we've had to we have had some scheduling snafus, but uh, I've got you here now and I know you're super busy, so I want to respect your time. But uh, for those of uh, those of, uh, in the audience that are tuning in and, and they may be meeting you for the first time, uh, would you like to go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, My name is Lisa Santiago McNeil. I am a publisher and coach, and I help people to really navigate the things that they have gone through in their lives that may have been oppressive. They may have felt like they were let down, left out. They may have even felt like they were set aside, but I show them where they can extract the greatness from that, so that they can then use that knowledge, that resilience, that superpower is what it ends up being, to not just improve their own lives, but to inspire, encourage, and empower others to do the same.
0: Right, and and I know for you, having um, having talked to you in in the past, and and then the the, the biography that you sent over to me, um, your life has, you, you've got quite the story to tell, um, and, yeah. and, and you've been through a lot. And it, I think it's amazing to see where you're at today and, and to, to feel your energy. Um, but let's get into that story a little bit. Yeah. What what has led, you know, what, where, was, where did this path to where you're at today begin?
1: Um, it began almost my very first memories were about survival, as young as two years old, um, I was. My mother was very, very young when she had me, and she had my sister right after. My mother was 12 or 13 when she had me, and she had my sister shortly thereafter. There was a season in that where I remember that we were not being taken care of. Just in that period of time, we were not being taken care of. I think I was about two, two and a half. My sister was crying. And uh, there was no one that was responding. And I knew that when babies cry, you give them a bottle. Mm -hmm. And so I went to look for a bottle and I found one, but unfortunately it was a sour bottle and it made the baby sick. And so for a long time, I carried the burden of not understanding how I could get my sister sick. All I was trying to do was to help her with not even realizing that I was assuming the responsibility (coughs) of that which others should have been handling. And I continued along that vein for so many years. I continued to be uh, trying to be the caregiver, the caretaker of almost every relationship in my life and also trying to just survive. There were circumstances when obviously we were taken from our mom because she was not taking care of us at that time. There were circumstances where we felt as if our very... I don't know. Security was challenged, like whether or not we will be able to live where we were at. And I kind of took on the position of let me keep everybody happy. Let me keep everybody happy in this. Let me make sure that I fill this void, because as long as I keep everybody happy, they're not going to put us out. They're not going to kick us out. And I mean, this is young as four and five years old. And and it was a lot. But I don't think I realized it as a lot. It was a way of life at that time. And so when I was taken advantage of in those seasons of just trying to please people and ended up being abused and being molested because you're just trying to be accommodating, you Mm -hmm. know, it was difficult to understand why anybody would do this to someone and how this could be the way that people interact with people. I didn't understand it, but I continued. I continued to do the best that I could with the circumstances that I had, having lived through the abuse and just living through all of these challenges until I physically couldn't take it anymore. When I turned 13, I ran away. At that point, I ran away from the... uh, It was my great-great-grandmother that was taking care of me at that time. And it was someone who was also in her care that was taking advantage of me at that time. And so I finally left and only to find out that the world was really like this too, right? You're 13 years old. You're trying to survive in the streets. You're trying to live day by day and you don't have money. You don't have a job. You don't have anything. You have to, at that point, sort of rely on what you do have. Well, what did I have at that time? I had my body. I had my beauty. I, you know, I had these things that at least I could use them to keep myself alive. So continuing the same vein that you started at five years old, continuing at 13 was going down that same path. Now, believe it or not, even though I ran away, I stayed in school for a couple of years. Mm. I stayed in school because I loved school. I felt like there was, it was an escape at the very least. It was an escape. But when I uh, hit the 10th grade, um, they gave me calculus. Hmm. Now, at that time, I was not just sleeping from house to house and doing whatever I had to do to survive. I was also working a full time job. Hmm. I was working a full time job in Burger King. I had lied on the application and got a job and I was working from 4 p.m. to midnight. And then taking the train home, doing homework, getting up, going to school and doing it all over again until they gave me calculus. Now, they gave me calculus and I was up for a raise at this job, flipping freaking hamburgers. And there was nothing that calculus could do for this 25 cents raise that I needed to do. And I finally said, you know what? This is B.S. This is BS. This, this school is not doing anything for me. I I can't I can't do it. I left, I quit school, but still, because I something in me believed that I still had more to learn. I actually enrolled in business school. Hmm. Now I was in the 10th grade and I didn't have a GED and I didn't have a high school diploma. But for whatever reason, maybe this was back in the day, but for whatever reason, all they had was an entrance exam. And they never asked for those other, you know, documents or anything like that. So I passed the entrance exam. I went to business school and I learned how to do business. I learned how to type on the computer. I learned how to do things. And I began to integrate those in some of my self-preservation tactics, right? So sex and drugs is how it started out as I built my abilities using my mind I began to transition that a little bit still on the opposite side of the law I mean white you know documentation was king trying to learn how to falsify things for people I was doing my best to survive and I'm grateful that that I am here to tell the story but there were some moments where You go from house to house. You don't know how you're going to live. You don't know how you don't know who's going to accept. You don't know if they're going to beat you. You don't know if they're going to lock you up. There was a season where I was actually locked in a room at a hotel for 10 days and not allowed to leave. And so, you know, these experiences now looking back at them show me, hell, you've been through some stuff. I am monitoring my language, Brian. So please Um. forgive me. If I stop myself, it,
0: it's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. But
1: if you can get through this crap, then yeah. you can get through anything. Men that would try to beat you, women that would try to cut you, drugs, alcohol, everything, just trying to survive. That was really mm-hmm. the whole purpose. It was not to to scam anybody. I was not trying to get over on anybody. I was just trying to live. I was trying to
0: survive. When you, when you left, when you had had enough of all of the, the abuse and yeah. neglect that was going on. And so you're 13, that's pretty young to step out on your own. Yes. What, what, I mean, where were you at mentally and emotionally? Because I would imagine that that was a pretty scary moment to step out that door, but because you were looking to survive
1: yeah. and
0: and get away from it. So I, I see where their survival kicked in, but what did, where were you at mentally? Did you?
1: It's so funny that you asked that because now that I'm looking back on it, it's almost like I put the fear, the frustration, the angst, all of that was on pause. Mm. Th- there was no time for that. I knew at that moment that I had to leave. And to be quite honest, when I left at 13, it was more because I had gotten so fed up that at that point I was scared of what I might do. Mm. It wasn't so much that I was scared about what would happen to me. I was scared at that point of what I might do. How dare this, you know, person consistently push themselves on me or all of the, you know, it just came to the point like, there's no going back. I can't take this anymore. And I do believe that later on, I finally had a crash or a meltdown, if you will, as a result of those experiences. But Brian, when you're going through that, you got to stay about surviving. Like you don't have Mm -hmm. a moment to feel the pain, to feel the frustration, to feel the anxiousness and the agony because you're trying to figure out how to continue how to get out of it or how to act like it's not even freaking happening right you know
0: yeah so that was it, I, one of
1: the challenges for me
0: and it, and it's amazing the you know the strength that you had at such a such a young age um even you know just thinking about survival I, I wonder how many how many kids at 13 <laughs> would be you know, would have that sort of mindset. Cause I, I feel like that would be more of the exception than the norm for people.
1: Yeah. Except for those that go through those circumstances. Yeah,
0: because say, I, you-
1: I was surrounded by um, it. Even looking back, some of the, some of the kids that I grew up with eighth grade, we look back, we talk about that. Now we're, we're in our fifties. Now we were adults in the eighth grade. We mm-hmm. were adults figuring out adult crap. we were not the same as these kids we had to parent ourselves we had to provide for ourselves we had to protect ourselves we were not the video game kids we were not running around to find out who's playing the next game we were 13 year old adults yeah you know it was crazy even as we look back on it because i have had conversations with a few of them. Some of them we forged lifelong relationships and, and with uh, Facebook, you find everybody again, you know, but um, it really was, there wasn't time to worry about it at that time. There wasn't so you, time.
0: You never really got to have a childhood then. I mean, no. you, you were pretty much, you, you had to learn to be independent at, you know, two and a half, three years old. Yeah. Um, so you You got through a couple years of high school. They then started to throw some of those classes at you that just didn't make sense for you. Um, you went to business school. so where does life take you from
1: there? Absolutely. Business school um, again, took me to a different path, still um, still surviving, but using those those new information, those new insights to I was doctoring documents, I was writing contracts, I was doing all different kinds of things. And then um, eventually it led me to finally getting away, finally entering into some normalcy. I packed everything that I had, I robbed everybody that I could, every electric bill, rent, everything, every dime, I saved it and hoarded it and I moved out of state. And when i moved out of state and at that time i was still using drugs but i just needed to change and at that time i moved out of state still with a u-haul still with my drugs i'm actually using drugs on the road to my new location and finally god says to me because even though i was estranged from the world and probably any formal type of religion i think i had a natural relationship with god that I didn't exclude him from my crap. I didn't blame him for it, except for that one time when I was 13, I didn't blame him for it, but we kind of still dialogued. And I remember on that road saying that I am going to start something new. And I audibly heard God said, (laughs) you taking the old you on a new journey.
0: Mm. And I,
1: and I heard it. And in that moment, I don't know if this is offensive to anybody, but I had an eight ball of drugs, an eight ball of cocaine. In that moment, I folded it up. I handed it to the person that I was driving with. And I said, I don't use drugs anymore. And I've Mm -hmm. never used them since then. I've never used them since then. I've never picked them up since then. And that was the transition, like uh, the apostle Paul, that was the road to Damascus experience for me. You can't take an old you on a new journey. Right. And it was like a lightning bolt. It was like, wow, it was like crazy. I moved to my new location. And um, within two days, I got a job. I got an apartment. Within two days, and all of the money that I had taken with me and whatever experience that I had you know, from the business school, I got a job as a receptionist. And then went on from there to get a job. Corporately, I worked for IBM. They picked me up uh, for six months as a contractor, and they hired me after that uh, six months with an amazing salary. And I moved up through the ranks there, never went back to drugs, never went back to that same lifestyle. It was amazing. It was an amazing journey. And what was even more amazing about that uh, 20-year journey was when it ended. It ended abruptly. You would think that I had everything that I needed. I had come up my Cinderella story, right? I had already turned the corner and I'm in this great job and I'm moving up the ranks. Incidentally, I gained more credentials at IBM that they paid for, all of this schooling education that they paid for. And then... Uh, They were helping me with lots of different things that I wanted to do, because now at this point, I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful that I've turned this corner. Right. So I'm doing these uh, nonprofit things, nonprofit organizations and everything. And finally, I again hear the voice of God who says, when will you trust me? Come on now. Mm. When will you trust me? My entire life has been without a net. I don't have a dad to call and say, hey, can you help me with my rent? Or, hey, can you help me with the car note? Or, hey, there's nothing, right? I have been having to rely on resourcefulness Mm. from the beginning. And when I heard audibly again, when will you trust me? And that it was time to leave IBM behind. Mind you, (laughs) all the people (laughs) who are like, girl, you don't quit that good job, right? (laughs) you don't leave those government benefits, that good job and all of those things. Right. And you finally get to the place where you're like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta continue to step. I gotta continue to step. And that was when, that was actually when I left. And that was when I started this journey and when I published my first book, because I had to make sense out of all that crap.
0: Yeah.
1: I had to make sense out of it. And along the way, you gain wisdom from the experiences that you thought were going to take you out. And when you look at them on paper, man, they, they should have took you out. I mean, 13 year olds can hold down a job and go to school full time and live on the street and don't have scars and, you know, are, are able to tell the story, right? How many 17 year old prostitutes have gone on to become senior, uh, uh, delivery managers at ibm how how do you proceed if it is not because you are destined for more than the circumstances that you are in yeah
0: that's um yeah because even at you, you you'd mentioned you had this connection you felt connected to god as young as 13 maybe even younger um but it, until he spoke to you on that on that journey, that U-Haul journey to, to to the new location, would you I mean, were you engaged in like prayer or anything like that? Do you, you,
1: yeah, it's, that's a good question, Brian. So I want to say and, and I say this often because I respect all religions and I respect people's mm-hmm. relationships with God. Mine, I was never introduced to God. I remember him always being there. I didn't know what the formalities were of it, but I knew that he was present with me even when I didn't understand what he was doing. And that's why Mm -hmm. I said when I was 13, I invited God to get the hell out of my life. Mm. I invited him to leave me alone because at that point, excuse me, at that point, I felt like if this is my life with you in it, I would do better if I was by myself. You know at 13, not understanding that he was aware of what I was going through, but he knew that it was creating something in me that I couldn't get any other way. I couldn't learn this strength, I couldn't learn this resilience, I couldn't overcome these circumstances if I didn't go through these circumstances, yeah, and so. I don't know that it was prayer as as much as it was conversation, because, like I said, I don't think. I, I mean, I, I was I was raised with church, and they you know they showed me church and 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 all the di- a couple of different religions, and then through relationships, I gained other religions or whatever. But it never transcended beyond in my mind this one-on-one hey God what's up why are you why am I doing this now why you know this communication conversation was more transformational and transcendent to me than any of the ritualistic religious relationships that were introduced to me I'm grateful for that because I think that I could have easily become agnostic or um, uh-huh. atheist, if it were only a ritual that was tying me or a tradition that was tying me to the true source of my strength, which I didn't even fully understand while it was building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, in, in your story and in, in everything that you've shared with us, is it reminds me of a quote that I heard um, by T.D. Jakes. And and I probably won't say it exactly right, but he, he had said something along the lines that sometimes you have to run. God sends you running through the fire to burn up that in which it's chasing you.
1: Yeah.
0: And it and I almost feel like that was kind of, you know, and then another aspect of of faith is that, you know, we all have God will allow things to happen to us because we are the only ones strong enough to carry that burden like yeah. nobody else can carry that burden and that's what I and I really feel like that's what your your story is even at a young age you had to go through all of this and you had to carry it but be, because you were able to get through that and and you in in and, and you kept that fighter's mentality, that survivor's mentality, mm-hmm. you know, God was able to then, you know, get you to a, a place where you were earning and, and creating a life and then then on to doing what you're doing today, which Absolutely. is a, an amazing thought. Let's talk a little bit about your your books and Definitely. what what you've poured into those.
1: Sure. Um, so the the book that helped me to begin to understand what was going on is discovering your why discovering your why a journey to wholeness was the first book that i published that i wrote and this really is a inside look at those stages in my life where i felt like i was by myself where i was using drugs where my 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 relationship was crazy my marriage my first marriage was was overwhelming all of these different things where i thought these are not making sense this is hurting me this is crazy and i know that there are other people that are going through seasons and stages in their life that they they're in the midst of it they can't make sense of it and so that's what this was but it is not cute it is not cute it is it was not accepted widely in some of the spiritual environments, because I am an ordained pastor and I am a licensed minister. And some of those environments were wanting it to be more Jesus-y and more yeah. god right? And here's the thing, until it was, it wasn't. And I don't <laughs> want to tell a fake story
0: right right so yeah. i'm not
1: going to tell a fake story i'm not going to tell you that and everything was blessed and all was great in the land that's not the way it happened it was ugly it was hurtful there was profanity there was drugs there was sex there was it was real and so when i released this book a lot of i got a lot of pushback although it became a best selling book um it the 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 audience that I wanted it for, I wanted it for some of my sisters that were in the church that were still being oppressed instead of released Mm -hmm. by the freedom and the power and the strength that they had in them, but we couldn't get it to them. And so because the language was not accepted, hold on, I'm going to show you the other one. Sure. So because the language was a little bit much for some people, I actually turned it into a children's book. And we call this a not just for children's book, the tiniest little acorn. Even as you shared with the story where God fits the burden to the back, right? This story is about a tiny little acorn that was crushed under the earth, that was isolated, cold, wet, and alone, and cried out in the darkness because it felt that it was forsaken while there was a beautiful pine cone that was above the earth that people would take home these pine cones and do crafts and hang them on their door and display them in beauty. And finally, the acorn cried out and a mighty oak tree responded, why are you crying? And she simply said, listen, I'm tired of getting crushed and being left and being broken and being pushed down and being cast aside, and the mighty oak tree says, you observe well, but you understand not. Because Mm. these conditions that you are in are the exact conditions required for you to become a mighty oak tree. Mm. And that pine cone will forever be known as the tree that will never be and
0: it's just
1: I've crazy. never wanted I've
0: never wanted to I've never wanted to read a children's book more than I want to read that one now so i've got to i've got you to got get to that get have it it. goosebumps you got to get it
1: because Think it, about it. It. It's that serious. There's so yeah. much misunderstanding surrounding the circumstances of all of our lives. There's so much misunderstanding because we think uh, all the glory and all the greatness and all the beauty and that's the only side that we want. But you don't get to summer and spring without winter and fall. Mm-hmm. You don't get them. And so that was what that that was that book. That was the one that followed the um, Discovering Your Why. This is actually the children's version of this, quite honestly, is what it is. And then finally, um, I created this book, Raised by Chickens. This book, Raised by Chickens, was a simple story that came to me because of a young lady with eight children. And her family was not supportive of her goals and dreams. Her goals and dreams were to teach her children how to be multilingual and do all these amazing things. But the family was like, you just a baby mama. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't be anything. And what raised by chickens is all of us, all of us with purpose in us have chickens that love us. They care for us but they don't realize that we are a freaking eagle and we cannot Mm. be contained to scratch and stay on the farm with them. Once you get the eagle past the point of protecting and perseverance, it must fly. It cannot stay held back. And so Raised by Chicken is just about that beautiful little eagle, realizing that although those chickens love him, although the mama chicken loves him, I want you to understand, I know my mother loved me. I know that some people in my family love me, but I also know that some of the safety that later on was presented to me in IBM, in you know some of those circumstances and scenarios, they were really not designed for me because I am an eagle and i am supposed to soar higher without a net you never seen an eagle with a safety net yeah and so and, those... and
0: you...
1: go ahead
0: no i was just gonna say and and so when when you heard god speak to you that second time and say trust me Woo. um that was kind of him saying hey it's time for you to fly you yeah, know you're comfortable because... and i understand that
1: Yes, it was because I answered back when he said, when will you trust me? I said, I do trust you. God very audibly said, you trust in the first and the 15th. You don't trust me. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, dang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the truth hurts, right? You got to believe yeah. it. And so when it was time to walk away and to begin to develop a business of empowering others to tap into their truth, and use that truth to help someone who would be left in pain if they didn't know you and know your story. They didn't understand that they could make it because somebody else made it. It became my purpose. It became like my chance to write everyone's story. And we I've done with my company, I've done over a hundred um, authors now. I have 107 books published. I am still doing more every day. People are calling me to share their stories. Even with the Advent, people are saying, oh, well, you got all of these self-publishing and all these other things. Sometimes you need help getting your story out of you, getting the process completed. And that is what I am here for. I am here to show you that your worth, your living is not in vain and all those things that tried to count you out all they did was make you stronger
0: how how can people find you cuz i i imagine and i would be shocked if somebody listening to this episode doesn't is, isn't sitting here going i've got to connect with lisa so <laughs> i i have the i have all your links which i'll share in the description below but uh, why don't we have you go ahead and tell our listeners, where if they wanted to connect with you, learn more about you, or um, you know seek your advice in, in mentorship, what what how how should they go about finding you?
1: Absolutely, the easiest way would be to go to my website, IamLisaSantiago.com. and as much as you can read and find and all of that, I like to interact with people one on one and you can schedule a complimentary consultation so that we could hear and decide together what's the right path for you. Whether it's working with me, whether it's working on your own, whether you just need support in your process, we can discuss that together. And I have lots of interesting information on there as well as a free ebook on how to write a book that sells in seven simple steps on the website, Iamlisasantiago.com, because I know that even though God is everywhere, I know that uh, in the Christian faith, it talks about um, sometimes you need to touch the hem of Jesus's garment, right? I also know that Mm -hmm. sometimes you are the only garment that someone is willing to touch. Your experiences, you specifically, are the only experience that resonates with someone else that will allow them to say, "I am ready, I can do this, and I am equipped." And so, I think that we all have a responsibility to do that for one another.
0: You, you are definitely a motivator and an inspiration. You've got me, uh, you've got me inspired to. I've, I've been writing a book and. Um, and I've kind of put it on the back burner and made it, you know, uh, my more of my hobby. And, and now you've, you've got me going, okay, now I've got to get my (laughs) story out there.
1: Absolutely. Brian, that's one of the lessons that I teach. It's called the sin of the desert. You don't want to know where the water is and Mm -hmm. don't tell anybody that's the sin of the desert. You have the answer that someone is still in pain with, and you have the answer but you're not sharing it. That's that's we don't even realize the amount of selfishness is in that. That we have to get beyond, oh, I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have ability, I don't have all of that. But you have somebody sitting aside from you who is still suffering with something that life has already taught you. We have a responsibility to get that message out. And I, I hope I get to help you with Thank it. Thank you. So-
0: yeah, I. You know, you may, you may, you may see me uh, pop into your mailbox there and the website. I'm definitely going to check it out uh, more than I already have. And uh, yeah, but I, I truly appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're a, a very busy uh, woman, so I appreciate your time and just sharing your story. It, it is a, it is a hard story. Um, just even with me reading it, you know, totally. I felt. I I felt that pain along with you, and and just all that you you've had to go through uh, to to get where you're at today. Uh, I can't imagine. At you know, I've had my struggles as, as in childhood, and and I've had episodes of abuse, but I don't feel like that's anything in comparison to what you had to go through, um, especially leaving home at 13. But Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm grateful.
1: I'm grateful. But don't minimize your pain or your purpose. Every one of us is impacted differently. And I'm grateful that you survived what you've gone through. Thank
0: you. Well, hang tight. I'm going to have a little post-show wrap up with you. But um, uh, thank you. And I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on.